0: And now, coming to you live from the basement of Lavender Town, Radio Town, it's the Puckle Halloween Special! Everyone, thank you for listening to the Puckle Podcast today. Uh, we have something a little bit different for you to today. We decided to do a Halloween Special, where we get to do fun, crazy stories by some of our writers and some of our hosts. So please sit back and listen, and I hope you guys have a good time. And I have some announcements after the show, so please stick around after it's over.
3: Friends, it's that time again. again. Listen to the shit with the fuck now, man. It's fuck
4: up, fuck up. i Your host, Twitter drink that. And your co-host, let well, every hand. Fuck up, fuck up, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Man, Manjushiro, it really blows that you and I got stuck with the Halloween night shift. Uh, it speaks for yourself. At least you're letting me out of the room for this. Uh, that that's true, but I mean, we gotta—we're not even doing the normal show. We're just spinning discs, you know, trying to play the music throughout the night, you know. Speaking of music, what's that music? That's constantly in the background like somewhere inside my head. I I don't know what you're talking about, Yoshiro. I just don't. Wait, wait, let me let me set up the next track for uh And you're listening to Lavender Town Radio, where we're going to play all the spookiest hits for you this Halloween. And up again, The Monster Mash. Isn't that like the 15th time you put this tonight? Absolutely. Are there other Halloween songs? No. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought.
2: (laughs) It's, it's, I mean, what else it is to do in Lavender Town?
0: Isn't, isn't it like Halloween every day in Lavender Town? Well, not anymore since we've converted the old cemetery into a radio tower. That can't bode, that can't bode poorly for any of us, you know?
2: And again, we have like the only cemetery in the world.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, we did. Now it's a radio tower. Wait. So where are we burying our dead? That that's a very good question. I don't know. Don't worry, Jushir. I'll grab the door. No prop. All right. Oh, hey, Scrawn. Trick or treat, uh, Scrawn, You're not supposed to be working today. It's it. You're not even supposed to be here.
2: I mean, you're not even supposed to be in Kanto, and for the love of Arceus, why do
0: you you dress as a punkaboo? Well, I can answer both of those
3: questions in one simple way. I'm advertising for Pumpkaboo Insurance, where if the ghosts don't kill you, our rates will. Well, Scrawn, that's
0: nice and all, but unfortunately, we we don't have any candy, because, you know, we're working. Well, that's fine. I'll I'll just tell you a story instead. Uh, No, no, no.
2: no, It's fine, Scranton. You really don't have to. Oh, I insist.
3: Freezing wind, devoid of moisture, attacked Ivan Volkov's thick clothing as he traipsed along the sharp stones and cliffs that composed most of the northern island, or Tenkheim as it was referred to locally. Behind him he could see a flock of Altaria gathering around one of the many mountain caves in the area, At this time of year, they would fly from all around the reaches of the island to the inner circle of ridges surrounding the human town of Derskaya. The haunting song the dragon bird sang did not inspire confidence in the wary Ivan's countenance as he fled from the pursuer that seemed to have been tailing him since last night. He could not easily locate the being without a sylphscope, which he had foolishly forgotten to bring along with him on his trip to the western salvage yard but he could certainly feel its presence. The feeling was akin to receiving numbing gas at a dentist's office, but Ivan knew the true nature of what was happening. His life force was being drained from afar. If his pursuer had been anything other than a ghost Pokémon, Ivan knew that he would at least stand a fighting chance with his Mianfu, which he had sent ahead to try and find help. At this point, though, his best shot was to try and return to the town as quickly as possible so he could accurately identify the threat. The wind was far too strong for it to be a ghastly or a Litwick, and many of the other ghost Pokémon aren't necessarily malevolent in nature. Perhaps a Cofagregus or Jellicent would try to kill him, but this was certainly not an indigenous region for them to live. Ivan had dealt with ghosts before. Most of them had pretty obvious tells or would give away their presence with pranks or some other mischief, but nothing of the sort had occurred since he had left the salvage yard. Ivan reached into the pockets of his coat as he continued to advance forward. He felt a few minimized pokeballs on the off chance he had an encounter, as well as a few of the key machinery parts he had set out to retrieve from the salvage yard. As he foraged through his roomy pockets, his hand stumbled across the stone he had brought along with him. Smooth, barring a few circular indentations and a small crag running down the middle, the rock was unlike anything else on the island. He figured his daughter would appreciate the oddity as a gift. Ivan smiled as he thought of his daughter. She had turned ten the day before he left, and it had been a full week since then. He looked forward to returning to see her once more before she was to set off on her Pokémon journey in two days. She said she had picked a Swinub as her starter Pokémon because it reminded her of her daddy. If I was really like a Swinub, I wouldn't be so bloody cold right now, Ivan joked to himself. The humming song of the Altaria stopped. Ivan paused. Something was definitely off. The wind had stopped blowing. Everything was still. In the distance, Ivan could see the rim of the cliffside stairs that descended down to Derskaya. If there was a time to make a break for it, this would be it. What was the distance? Maybe two kilometers? Ivan started to run. As he did, he started to hear a resonating sound. The sound could be likened to someone hitting the face of a boulder with a steel pipe. Running onward, the sound amplified in intensity, each time seeming closer and closer. Ivan looked behind him, but could see nothing. Again and again, the sound repeated itself. By the fifteenth time, the sound had gone off. Ivan was only about half a kilometer away. Sixteen, seventeen. Ivan became more and more exhausted The sound continued to grow and grow Ivan was being driven into a frenzy He had to make it back to the town He had to see Varya again For the love of Arceus, let me see my baby again, Ivan yelled to the windless vacuum around him. Twenty-one, twenty-two, the sound was now deafening. He could feel an immense source of power pressing down and constricting his body. Somehow he was still moving to the rim. At no point in his life had he felt a drive as he did now. Then something clicked. He had heard stories about events like this before. He had made a dire mistake. Twenty-five, twenty-six. Ivan was now mere steps from the edge of the stairs that would be his salvation, but he knew it was too late now. He reached into his pockets once more. He felt the pokeballs and the salvage parts with trembling fingers, but as he fished around, his suspicions were proven true. Ivan looked around to see the stone from his pocket sitting upright on the ground behind him.
0: Ah! What? what? there's a spirit tomb. Oh. oh calm down. That that's that's my uh that's my work associate uh from Boo Insurance. Yeah. You just got you guys just got spooked. Oh, thanks a lot, Scron. I'm sure we're being super productive here at the radio tower because of this. <laughs> All right, see you later. I've got other clients to spook. See you later, Scrawn. Well, that was spooky, wasn't it, Jushiro? Jushiro, where where did you go? Is he gone? Yeah, he's gone, Jushiro. You got you gotta get out of the closet. We got work to do today. No. Well, come on, Jushiro. Let- did, did you hear about the new uh the new Pokemon they discovered over in the Alola region recently? Uh Decidui. Uh he's a ghost type. He's pretty cool. He's a he evolves from like Rollit, you know, that little guy that looks like Doctor Who with the bow tie. Uh What's
2: Doctor Who? But anyway, yeah. no, I haven't heard of those. Um weren't there also a water and a fire that they discovered?
0: Yeah, no. They it was uh they they discovered that Poplio evolves into I into Primarina. I think that's what they call it. It sounds like a fairy water. It is. It is. I don't it's know good. why, but it just does. And then uh, there's another, the fire type you're talking about. Incineroar, is fire dark. It's pretty cool. I, I mean, I'm down with the typings that they found over there. <laughs> he kind of. I love how he kind of looks like a, a wrestler, but it's heel, so it's dark. I kind of like it. It's like nature is such a yeah. wonderful thing. Yeah, wonderful. No, I think it's great. Oh man, it's not It's time to spin another track. And you're listening to the Laventown Radio Tower, where we're playing all the spookiest hits this Halloween. And here's another play of the Monster Mash. That's oh. number 16. You know that, right? Yeah, I'm I'm very aware. Again, there are no other Halloween songs. God, he's back. No, I think it's fine. I'll go I'll go check it. Maybe Scraw needed to come back. Uh okay.
4: Check out
0: Ah, oh, it's Snagarina and Snaggerino dressed as a Popliona Litton. This is adorable. What? Unfortunately, yeah. uh, Snag's here, too. Trick uh. or
2: treat! Aw,
0: uh, unfortunately oh. what, Thatch? We don't have any candy.
4: This is a radio tower. We're doing business. You don't have any candy? No, well, unfortunately. I- I'll, I'll, send, I'll send the kids to the Pokemon Center where Dr. is handing out candy, then. That sounds like a reasonable idea. All right, well, if you guys don't have any candy, then it sounds like I need to give you guys a trick, right? I, I guess so. Uh, uh, no, well, no, you don't really have to, you know. <laughs> all right, well, tell it. I have a special story just for you guys for this occasion. Great. It's called Pokegeist. Ooh. Tap, 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 tap. She warned me. After defeating her in battle, I told Fantina how much I admired her ghost Pokemon. She told about where she caught the Ghastly that would become her Gengar, in an old, run-down manor outside of Eterna City. I hadn't caught a Ghastly yet, and was in a rush to get to Eterna City as I passed through that neighboring forest, and my Pokemon were near fainting. I went back right away. We battled just after lunch, uh, but it wasn't far to get to Eterna City, and she said the manor was just to the west. I would be there in no time. I stopped into the Poke Mart to pick up some Pokeballs and some Super Potions, and then back to the Poke Center to refresh my Pokemon, wanted, be, wanted to be paired, prepared for this trip. The manor's presence was felt almost immediately as I entered the forest. Despite this, you could almost miss it with the dense layer of flora obscuring the view. I had to sneak past a few overgrown unkempt bushes and wade through some tall grass past some wormpool and cricketot in order to make it to the entrance. The door was weathered and worn. The ornate handles that were once shimmering gold have since turned to a tarnished brown. I reached for the door, anticipating to pull on the door and feel some resistance. To my surprise, it opened with ease, almost as if someone had opened it on the other side. I went in. The late afternoon sun glistened through the plant life covering the windows, shining on an impressive statue of a uh, very stately man in the center of the foyer. He must have been the master of the manor. There were stairs on either side leading to the second floor with several rooms, as well as a door leading directly back on the first floor. I explored every inch of the house, thinking about all the abandoned things that might be waiting to be picked up. I found some really useful items in the various rooms, a rare candy, the TM Substitute. The best item I found was a large pearl in the room with the run-down old TV with knobs and wood paneling. The pearl would go for a big price at one of the Pokemarts. Tap, 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 tap. She warned me. As the light dimmed around me, Ghastly became more plentiful. I caught a few so I could hopefully find one that was useful for battle. It was hard to make out anything in the room I was in on the second floor. Deep in a corner, I saw something shimmer, slightly. As I approached, the atmosphere seemed to grow denser. I could hardly see what I was reaching for, but it was undeniably there. I carefully, slowly reached out to touch it. There was a noise, like a clank or a crash uh, from downstairs. I grabbed the plate and made my way downstairs to leave. I suddenly felt as if I had overstayed my welcome As I re-entered the foyer I heard the noise again in the dining room On the main floor As I walked into the room I couldn't help but feel like I was being watched I paused and looked at the statue In the manner Of the master His eyes seeming to be looking at me angrily I went into the dining room I went into the dining room Hardly anything was visible, except for a piece of cake sitting on the large dining room table. I stared at it, wondering where it had come from. It wasn't there before, and no one has been here for years. I looked at it intently until I saw something out of the corner of my left eye. By the time I looked up, it was gone, but I swore I saw an elderly butler walk into the kitchen next door. I was about to follow him until I heard, tap, 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 tap she warned me the sun had set long ago and the only light uh, was from the moon ever so slightly through the windows somewhere upstairs I heard something else I left the kitchen in a hurry ready to leave the statue still staring daggers at me now seemed to tower several feet over me I had almost reached the door when I heard the last thing I would expect to hear laughter not menacing mean laughter but that of a little girl playing a game If she had wandered in here, I couldn't let her stay alone. I ran up the stairs. The laughter became louder and clearer as I ascended the stairs. It continued to swell as I moved from room to room, searching for this poor, lost little girl. It seemed as if I had checked every single room until I made it back to the room with the old TV in it. I could hear hear her just on the other side of the door. I opened the door. I was almost blinded by what I saw. The TV... It was on, emitting a bright glow, the brightest light I had seen since this afternoon. I had to get to this girl and get out. I searched the room, looking under every nook and cranny until I heard the laughter near the door. For just a moment, I saw a girl in a red dress glide across the floor, exiting the open doorway and shutting the door behind her. I ran to the door to get her, but the door was shut. I pulled at it, but the door knob didn't even turn. Tap. Tap, tap, tap. The tapping was coming from the TV, still glowing in a bright white light, as if something was inside the glass. I looked intently at the static, seeing my own reflection, until suddenly, my reflection smiled mischievously back at me. The image turned into a glowing orange figure floating around the screen. It seemed to be a fun and almost charming little specter. It danced around the screen for I don't even know how long. I was caught in a trance. Then it stopped and glared back at me, staring intently at me as, as I was at it. And then, something I can't quite explain happened. I remember looking at the ghostly figure, and then everything turned into a staticky haze. And then I was looking back at my reflection as the light started to stream into the windows. I looked at myself carefully when it dawned on me. I wasn't in the room anymore. Well, I was, but I was inside the TV. The specter, now inside my body, flashed that same mischievous smile at me, adjusted my cap, and walked out into the daylight. She warned me. Fantina warned me not to stay in the mansion in the night. Tap, 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 tap. Jushiro, why are you hiding in the corner? I,
0: I, 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 I-, I-, I- That was a pretty good one. Like that—that that was a good story.
4: Well, well thank you.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, Jushiro. Like, come <laughs> on, man, you gotta get out of the corner.
2: <laughs> uh, <clears throat> professor, thank you so much for being with us uh, tonight. Um, if you excuse me, I have to go to the bathroom
4: uh okay joshiro i mean if if you have to uh, it was a good seeing you man <laughs> you, 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 you too <laughs> thanks for stopping by snag Hi. yeah yeah that's a good ha- story thank you happy halloween and we'll uh we'll see you next year
0: yeah happy halloween uh, it was good seeing you okay yeah. joshiro you, you just can't keep going to the bathroom every time something scares you
2: no, no, no. What kind of traditions do you have in this place? You don't have candy, so they freaking tell
0: you a horrifying story? I mean this is just Lavender Town. This is, this is where we're at. You no, know?
2: Uh, it's no. It's 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 ridiculous.
0: It well, really is. Well come on, Gisher. Did you hear the news about uh Alola getting getting a Pokemon league? They're building one of these things?
2: I know, it's uh I heard it they don't even have gyms, and now
0: they're building a league there. How's this even work? No one knows.
2: Uh, well, it, don't you find it kind of funny that we uh, suddenly discovered fully developed societies in places around the world we haven't even heard of before. And they're already established and they have new kinds of animals we've never seen yet. They've been established there for hundreds of years. But well, hey, that's, well, yeah,
0: well, that's I mean, how it works. We're really bad at exploring. That's, that's what I've learned. <laughs> uh, yeah. We definitely need to, uh, to work on that. We, we definitely do. We definitely do. So, does- oh for heaven's sake. Trick or treat. Oh, it's Captain Gravy.
5: Jishiro. It's Hello Captain, Captain
0: Gravy. Ahoy, oh. Thatch and Jishiro. Oh, I'm uh, here for my candy. Uh, we don't have any candy. This
5: is obviously a radio tower. Yes, no candy, no need for any stories. We're good. Oh, have I got a story for you. I have found many in my travels across this great land. Oh, dang it. Here we go. Pierre is an artist. He spends his afternoons taking in the mountains, fields, and forests of the Kalos region, making them a part of himself. These landscapes flow from his mind to the end of his paintbrush, balance there, then tip over into his canvas as the day winds down. He always brings his smeargle with him. Smeargle has been with him since childhood cutting the trees and brambles from their path on their way to capture these majestic sweeping scenes. As Pierre paints, he talks with Smeargle. He guides his Pokemon in the many techniques of their craft, how light, quick strokes can emulate the movement of water or the wind-blown clouds, and how heavy-handed swipes can make a newly painted cliff face seem as ancient as real stone. Pierre also learns from Smeargle. These revelations come during heated battles with trainers coming and going from the battle chateau. As the days, months, and years pass, Pierre watches Smeargle strike out again and again with its tail, perhaps at a young trainer's beedrill or spritzy. Whether it is Smeargle or its opponent that faints to the ground, Pierre and Smeargle both gradually come to understand that art, true art, is born in these battles. It is born from suffering. One night, Pierre is sitting in his armchair browsing the lengthy history of royal Pokemon portraits of the Parfum Palace. He listens to the groans of his tea kettle as the water boils. He glances over at Smeargle standing at the window, hard at work on its most ambitious project, a 20 by 20 foot canvas of the night sky above Camp Town, Pierre realizes that despite the losses of his youth, Catherine's sickness and early, much too early death, his rejection by the Johto Artists Society, and that larger than life entrepreneur Giovanni's now infamous criticism of his art Despite all of these things, Pierre is truly content, happy. Pierre smiles, then feels his lips go numb. His vision blurs. Sight and sound are now one. The expert's commentary inside his book becomes the screech of his tea kettle, which barks from the mouths of the noble Burfru portraits Pierre wakes in a dark room, no longer in his chair. No, not a room. There are no walls. Yet he can see far enough to know that there is a limit to this shadowy space. He is lying on his back. His limbs are restrained. He feels the cold slab against his bare back. Smeargle, where are you? Pierre whispers this question, then yells it into the dark. The answer... When it comes, tickles his earlobe with heat. I am here, master. Smeargle? Pierre now sees his Pokemon standing to his right. Only, this is not the Smeargle that he knows. This Smeargle stands taller and has much paler fur. This Pokemon looks as if it has not slept for a long, long time. How are you talking? Yes. Yes. "'Here I am capable of such things. "'In this dark void, I can do as I wish. "'Where are we? Untie me. We have to get out of here.' "'Pierre tugs hard at his restraints, then stops. "'Smirgle has placed his paw inside his open palm. "'Monsieur Pierre, please do not do that.' "'Pierre feels the the warmth empty from his arms, his hands, his fingertips.' He can no longer move them. What are you doing, Smirgel? Help me, old friend. Let's get out of this place. Smirgel meets Pierre's desperate gaze with gentle eyes. That is not the arrangement that we made with our Lord. Then Smirgle is gone, faded from sight. Pierre waits. This is all he can do. He waits until he hears the familiar scuff of an easel against the floor. Suddenly, the darkness expands and gives way to a small studio with marble flooring like the slab he rests upon. In the space is a short dripping sink and a small table filled with paintbrushes, canvases, and stained paint palettes. Then Smeargle is beside him. Lord Darkrai has arrived with your wife, sir. Pierre hears her before he sees her. His beautiful wife, Catherine, weeping and standing just out of reach in a tattered white dress. He wills his hand to reach for her, but they do not work. They do not even shake with his sobs. Please, Smeargle, untie me. It's Catherine, my Catherine. Oh, my dear, how I've missed you. Searing white flashes before his vision, marring his view of her. Pierre screams as his side is cut open and Smeargle dips its tail in the spilled blood. Pierre wants to ask, why? What is this place and why this betrayal from his closest friend? But he cannot will himself to speak. He can only groan in pain and watch Catherine as she struggles forward through the void toward him. And Snergle, just on the edge of sight, presses its blood-soaked tail to the easel. It is at this moment that Pierre remembers everything. He remembers sitting on the bench outside the Johto Artist Society so many years ago, on the same night that Giovanni ruined his career. He had released Smeargle from its Pokeball. They had both looked up at the sky that night, vowing to succeed, no matter the cost. Then, a strange thing happened. The night sky dropped on top of them. A shadowy figure appeared and showed them visions of their greatness. Visions of success and riches, fame everlasting. "'Is this what you wish?' the figure had asked. Pierre looked eagerly at Smyrgal, who nodded. "'Yes, more than anything, yes. "'Then the deal is struck.
1: "'Never
5: mind the cost.' The two awoke the next day in the early morning hustle and bustle of Goldenrod City." They returned home and found Catherine collapsed, rushed her to the hospital, but there was nothing that could be done. Smeargle's painting is coming clear to Pierre. The blood is better than any paint that Pierre has ever used. The moment it touches the canvas, it becomes a vibrant color, the multicolor of life. He sees himself and Catherine suspended on the easel, separated by nothing but air. He feels faint from the loss of blood, but must keep watching. He looks away from Catherine, his sweet Catherine, and stares hard at Smyrgle's work. He must see it finished. He has never seen anything like it. Pierre smiles, knowing that true art stems from suffering. Pierre wakes late the following morning. He rubs the sleep from his eyes splashes cold water on his face and wonders why he can never remember his dreams. Then Pierre grabs his supplies and locks his front door. Pierre is an artist. He spends his afternoons taking in the mountains, fields, and forests of the Kalos region, making them a part of himself. These landscapes flow from his mind to the end of his paintbrush, balanced there, then tip over into his canvas as the day winds down. He always brings his smeargle with him.
0: Ooh, we keep getting good ones today, Yushiro. Like really good, Yushiro? Wait, where'd you go? Are you, are you one of the desk? I'm in
5: the closet!
0: Oh, you're in the closet this time. <laughs> Again. Well, thanks a lot, Captain
5: Gravy, for that story. Um, I'll try oh, to get no Yushiro...
0: I'll try to get Yushiro out of the closet
5: now. Well, all right, I'm going to go try to find some people who actually give me some candy now. That's fair. All right. (laughs) See you later, Dr. Dr. Gravy. Or Captain Gravy. Oh, I'm a doctor now. I like that. (laughs) All right. See you later, Captain Gravy. go pursue higher education. See ya. (laughs) (laughs) Jashiro, you you can't just keep staying
0: in closets and stuff. You people are horrible. How Uh, can you torture me like this? I mean, it's just Halloween. It's some scary fun. Uh, so, you, did you hear about the battle tree? Over in Alola? There, there's a tree now? Well, yeah, everybody's like going over there. All the previous champions. Red's going out there. Cynthia's Ooh, going out Cynthia? there Cynthia? Yeah. Um, going? Yeah, that Uh-oh, nobody Cynthia. from like, uh, Hoenn with the Gallade. He's going out there. Um, I think he was named after a robot from a Disney film. You and know that Cynthia was my first crush. I, I, I do. I'm aware. Uh, that's why I mentioned it. Just to let you know. And yeah, I don't know. It looks pretty cool. That he, I mean, apparently if you like go over there and you hang out there enough, they'll like, they'll battle with you and you'll you'll well, get. That some. that sounds cool. Yeah, right? I, I heard Blue over in Viridian City is heading over there too.
2: Wait, wait. D Blue? The, yeah, the, the ex-champion slash gym leader
0: Blue? Yeah, right? Yeah, he oh, was champion for like all God. of five minutes, right? And well, so he's going out there it's gonna it's gonna be interesting i mean it'll probably be a place to check out at some point when we're not like you know working on halloween yeah well what is, about red though is red going over there oh uh, well i mean i nobody's seen him there was that one time that kid kept claiming that he saw him at the top of mount silver we can't yeah. we can't
2: be for sure though yeah i mean i'd love to see the champion of kanto and the soul takedown of team rocket yeah to be out fighting again that would be awesome
0: yeah no i think it'd be awesome oh man yeah no there's definitely a lot there's a lot going on over there yeah oh Arsus, just take me now trick-or-treat hello oh it's maximus Jushiro. check it out hey
2: maximus how are you i don't have any candy you're gonna give me a story just end my life right now
0: I, d- wait, do you have a story, Maximus? I'd be down to hear it.
1: Now, now that you mention it, I do have a story that I heard awesome. a while back. <laughs> Jishiro, this is going to be great. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> there once was a young man named Kowson. He was a meek young man, and he didn't mind any two things in the world. But one day, there were three bullies who started messing with young Cowson and his friends. He tried to get them to leave, but they wouldn't. Cowson remembered what a pigeon did one time when he tried to catch it by hand. He knelt down toward the ground, got the bully's attention, and used a sand attack of his very own. He was—he told his friends to run while the bullies were distracted. They got away, but Cowson was not so lucky. went to an old orphanage, which was boarded up all around with some debris in the front. Somehow, they were able to pry one of the doors open enough to stuff him inside. By the time he got back on his feet, he tried to go out the door, the same door he came in, but noticed the door wouldn't budge, which made him think they were putting in something in front of it. Cowson could hear them on the other side laughing on how the orphanage has a new kid to look after as he heard their footsteps walking away. Cowson tried the door again, and even some of the old boarded-up windows of the same room but it was no use. The boy slumped down trying to think of if he should venture throughout the building or stay put. But as he was thinking, anger started to grow within him. He wouldn't have been here if it wasn't for those bullies. His thoughts shifted to, from how am I getting out of here to how am I going to get those bullies back. He didn't even notice something watching and floating above him. There was a shepherd just staring at him with a smile as his face went pale. Neither of them made any sudden moves, but the had started to float off. It flew off and turned at Calson and stared at him like it wanted him to follow him. Calson stuttered for a moment, but he got up and followed him to a hole in the wall in one of the random rooms that were covered. It was dark when they got outside, and he thought he needed to get home to plan his revenge. The had then rubbed against him, knowing that he wanted to help. Calson thought he made a new friend. And the Shuppet led him back to the front of the door, burned the debris, and walked through the foyer. It gave a loud cry, and multiple figures appeared. There were several Yamas and a oh, Duskull staring above them, staring at Cowson and venturing forth. Shuppet jumped in front of Cowson and started talking to the other Pokémon, so the Pokemon started backing off Going okay. Kowson was under his protection the Shuffle started communicating to the larger Pokemon it then disappeared with the Yamask and reappeared in the room of one of Kowson's aggressors one of the Yamask placed his mask on the face of the Tormentor and then left the Dusclops then summoned a Hypno appeared in the room and started connecting with it through the mind the desklops left and appeared in one of the other rooms and so forth. It then rose in the air above the neighborhood and started using its hands to commit an aura throughout the air. Soon the dreams of the three attackers turned to black, but when their vision came through, they appeared to be in a large, lavish room with children running around, happy, getting cleaned up. Then an elderly woman walked over to them and asked them, shouldn't you boys be getting ready? It is adoption after all. With that, she smiled and walked off. The boys began to realize that they were in the orphanage that they were at earlier. However, this was an active and much fuller life room that they remembered. They thought it was weird and tried to leave. But as soon as they touched the door, darkness fell. When they opened their eyes, the room was as it was, dark, old, broken down, and empty. Soon flames arose around the room and began to engulf the room as such. Suddenly, the doors broke open, and then a man with a machete, hood on his head, started walking toward them. They tried running throughout the whole, whole orphanage, but seeing as they seemed to go far, he see- their attacker seemed to be around the corner. He grabbed one of them and started to shake them unmercifully. The other two stopped, went back for their friend, and tackled the assailant to the ground. They gathered themselves together and started to run off. But when they came back to the room, apparently they'd gone in a circle. It was the same four that they were. They start banging on the door, hoping to get out. But to no avail, the door was stuck, unable to respond to them in their world. Their attacker came forward and forward and forward until he lifted his hood. Apparently, it was young Carlson, with one major difference. His mouth was zipped up. A giant yellow zipper blocked its mouth, and the zipper was into a frown. The boys got on their knees and begged him for his forgiveness. Calson then moved the zipper across his mouth, and his mouth began to open. As soon as the zipper was fully open, a cackle came out of his mouth, laughing at them. You wish for forgiveness, but you showed no mercy to me. Why should I give mercy to you? With that, he brought his machete up and brought it down on one of the boys. They were frightened, the remaining two, and they begged again and again, but to no avail. Calson brought up his machete again and brought it back down. There was only one of his attackers left, and Calson knew he would be getting his revenge. The last one begged again and again, but stood up this time, saying that they were changed, he would be a new person. Calson actually stopped for a second. Maybe he should. and turned around. Maybe he should forgive him, move on to his life, and call it a new day. Slice he turned around quickly without hesitation and cut off his throat. The three boys shook and awoke, wondered if it was just a dream. They looked down and noticed there was blood in their blood bed a little bit from their neck, their head and shoulder. They were hesitant to keep going, but they got out, walked over to the mansion, and released the doors. Inside, there was young Calson by himself, wondering how long it took them to come get him. He was scared and ran up to them and hugged them. They thought it was just a dream if Calson was so happy to see them. The four left the room, but young Calson turned around and noticed the young shepherd in the room, right above in the foyer, smiled at each other, walked off. Those bullies were never the same, and neither was Kalsun.
0: Ooh, Jashira, this is a pretty good one.
2: I I, I I am numb at this point. Thank you,
0: Mr. Maximus.
2: You're yeah, thanks, genius you your writing.
1: Not a problem, fellas. I hear Happy the Pokemon Halloween. Center
0: has candy if you go there.
1: Ooh, i well, got to get there quick before it closes.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know they
1: have a curfew, you know.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We'll catch you later, Mr. Maximus. Later, guys. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. And
1: Jishiro-
0: to you, too. Yeah, Jishiro, it's been a pretty <laughs> great night. We've had a lot going on. A lot of visitors. Just, lo- just lock me up into that room again. No, 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 absolutely not. Good news is it's about 9 o'clock now, and you know what that means. It's quitting time. <clears throat> it's quitting time. That means that means at least for us here in the Lavender Town radio tower it's closing time. Yeah. everyone i thank you for listening to the puckle halloween special uh just a few announcements as always guys if you could follow us on social such as uh twitter at puckle podcast you can like us on facebook facebook.com slash puckle podcast you can go ahead and tumble with us on tumblr at tumblr dot or er, puckle go ahead and uh subscribe to our subreddit r slash puckle and in the meantime also don't forget to review us on itunes for Snag's epic, uh, Pokemon podcast, we, er, we, er, uh, game show podcast. I think we're still looking at about, uh, 15 more reviews there. So if you guys could go and drop us an iTunes review, that would be great. In addition to that, uh, we have some more patron stuff going on. Uh, we're at $196 a month. So thank you very much to all of you guys. We did the live show the other day and that'll be out this Thursday. But uh if you can go check out our Patreon if you haven't already to uh, add some change. We uh Ethan and I have recorded a commentary track. If we hit $225 a month there, we'll go ahead and release that only to patrons, unfortunately. So you do have to be a patron to be able to listen to that. So go ahead guys, uh check that out at patreon.com slash pucklepodcast. And once again, thank you for listening to the show. Thank you for all of your support, and I hope you guys have a happy Halloween. Here uh we all wish you one from the Puckle Podcast community. So I will catch you guys.